Hey, hey, everybody, it is Tim Gillette, and we're back with another show here on Tim Gillette Show. Guys, I interview the coolest people on the planet, and today's guest is no different. He's one of the coolest people on the planet. Why? Because he's on my show. He wouldn't be on my show if he wasn't the coolest people on the planet. Anyway, I love this because I get to find out who these people are. Today's guest, I don't know him. I'm going to get to know him live on, on the interview, just like you get to know him. This is my favorite way to interview people. Bar none. I just love it because uh, it, it takes a stranger in a forty-five minute period of time, and by the end of it, man, I, I want to come over and have you know come over and swap drinks with him, you know, and hang out. So let's get to meet today's guest, James. I never is it James? Is it Hip Hipkin? Yes, Hipkin. That's Hipkin. Right. Hipkin. All right. I, I didn't think to ask you how to pronounce it. All right, and like that's like my first thing I always mess up is the last name. <laughs> no, yeah. you did fine. You did yeah. just fine. Well, James, man, uh, thanks for coming to the show, man. Uh, you know, how did you find us? I'm curious. Um, okay, so we're off to a great start. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when that happens, by the way. Because I don't, I, I, again, I interview so many people a year, I don't know where half of them came to me from. And I don't, you know, unless the, some of them come in and go, well, yeah, Tim, I met you and I love this when it happens. Yeah. Tim, we met live at a conference in 2012. Don't you remember me? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, no. okay, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're connected, though. I've been looking forward to this. I, I really in, have enjoyed the the preamble, the emails, and your and your little intro videos. And you, you look like you're having a lot of fun, and I like to have a lot of fun. So this should be a fun conversation. I, I, I know. It's like, you know, yeah, we got to be in business. We've got to make money. We've got to do things to help people to stay in business. Mm -hmm. But if you're not having any fun doing it, I always say, you know, enjoy the ride. If you aren't enjoying the ride, get off the ride and get on a different one. Right. Right. You know, Sense if of perspective, I went to Disneyland man. and didn't like the ride, I switch rides. Sense of perspective. We build websites for folks and stuff breaks, right? Yeah. Huh. So I'll get phone calls from people frantically worried about, and I'm like, okay, are any puppies going to die? And that usually stops the panicking. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. No puppies are going to die. Great. Something broke. We'll figure out what broke. We'll fix it. It'll be fine. Nobody will remember in a day. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, uh, James, I can relate because I've had my website go down and I've panicked. Yeah. Right. Ah, oh, crap. Wait a minute. But my website only goes down on days like I have an event or a promotion or a sale, sale or a webinar. That's the days it goes down. It never of goes course. down on a normal Tuesday. <laughs> and and what's your point, Tim? <laughs> it's it's like the internet's going, I know. Today's the day we're going to give Tim a heart attack. Let's go. Yeah, let, let's mess with Tim Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, what got you guys into the web business? I'm curious. Uh that's an interesting story. I I had been involved in, in high-level marketing and advertising for a gazillion years. Mm -hmm. um, the gray hair is quite well-earned. And about 10 years ago, I decided I was had an opportunity to buy a vendor. Mm -hmm. And this was going to be my semi-retirement. And this vendor was a digital marketing production studio. 
Wow. And I had been involved in digital marketing for quite a long time, long track record in it. And so this was a pretty logical extension, but I was no longer the customer. I was now the vendor. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought this this could be a fun change. I love change and my career has had so much change. Um, and so this was supposed to be my semi-retirement. My wife likes to ask me, so what part of working from eight in the morning till six at night is semi-retired? But <laughs> it's no longer a half day, honey. Half days are 12 hours. <laughs> exactly. And it gives me an opportunity to do what I have always loved doing. And that's work with clients. I've mm-hmm. been in account management and account service in advertising agencies all over the world. And I still, to this day, love working with clients. I love helping businesses understand marketing and understand digital marketing and show them how it can create value for their customers as well as for their business. Mm-hmm. And that well, that's a key differentiator for me is I always look at it from both sides of the equation. And how do we create value for the customers as well as the business? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you look at it that way, it generally works better for everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in my business because of Zig Ziglar. All right. And Zig is, he's most known for that, that statement. You know what I mean? You get what you want when you first help enough other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. And like, you know I mean? That's a Zig Ziglar thing that when you're around that neighborhood, it gets drilled into your head. Right. Right. Um, I remember my early days in business, uh, uh, James. My first business was like a, uh, a an automotive um, an automotive car wash, and then we had a body shop, and then we had car sales, and it's like all those stuff I was in. All I was thinking about at the time was how do I make more money so that my wife is happy because she can go buy more things. I wasn't, right. I didn't care about the customer. I just okay, great, we made sales today, and it's yeah. like uh, car sales. You flipped, you know what I mean? It's not like you got the same client coming in every month. You know what right. I mean? You're selling them a car and you may not see them for four years again, right? You know, right. it's like, I didn't care. And that's that gave me a, a whole attitude. By the time I sold my last automotive company, I realized that I was so into me that I could care less about the customer. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got a problem here. I, I, I'm not going to be in business, another business outside the automotive world if I don't get that straight. Uh, and it was a huge thing for me. When, when did you, I'm curious, when, when did you learn those lessons in life? I, that's a good question. I mean, I grew up in a rural community in Eastern Ontario in Canada, mm-hmm. and um, I've been traveling all over the world. I, my first overseas work was in South America, where I worked with Pil- as an agency for Pillsbury, and they were launching green giant canned vegetables. Mm. And that, that, culture shock that change from going from staid conservative button down canada to venezuela and brazil and argentina and i mean it was such a massive culture shock Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i came to the realization that doing things differently does not make mean that they're doing it wrong And that's where I think I started getting what I refer to by as my passion for outside in marketing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, understanding that it's not all about me. It's ah, the problem that they're trying to solve. Yeah, yeah. And as I was trying to fit in down there, you know, I was very much 
all about me. Mm -hmm. I know how to do this. And I probably did know how to do it one way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that didn't mean I was solving their problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's where I think the process started. And then throughout my career, I just kept seeing this over and over again. And, you know, when I've been had the opportunity to, you know, work with marketers to understand this customer first mentality and how do you solve their problems? It's always worked mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in every situation. It's always worked. Yeah. Now it hasn't always been easy to convince people to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But when we have done it, it has always worked. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I created my, I, I named my company the way I did was, is I, and I think I, ha I have this thing on my website, my about page. If you're looking for the easy way, don't call me. I'm not, I'm not interested in helping you. Right. But I named my trademark company uh, slogan is simple, easy marketing. Everybody's like, Oh, so you're going to show me how to do it simple and easy. I'm like, no, Simple easy is that means you do such marketing in such a way that the customer finds it very simple and easy to connect with you yep. and get your product or service. And I and so it, embrace it, that. Yeah. And it, it, it like reverses their thinking for me. Like, wait a minute. Oh, no, I want the easy way to do it. I'm like, well, the easy way for you to do it may not be the easy way for your client to pay you. Right. Now, are you interested in doing it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oftentimes those back end systems that are required to deliver on this are yeah. complicated. Yeah, yeah. But the payoff is huge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, there there are five ways that a customer contributes revenue. Think about it. Five ways. Five ways. And you've got the longer they're with you, the more return on that initial acquisition investment. Yes. The longer they're with you, the better they understand how your product and service works, lower servicing costs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The longer they're with you, the more likely they are to buy other products and services from you. Mm -hmm. The longer they're with you, the more likely they are to pay full price. They understand yeah. your value proposition. Good point. Yeah. yeah. And the longer they're with you, the more likely they are to advocate for you and tell their friends and neighbors about what you're doing which brings in more customers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's that's five ways that good customers can help you build your business. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that happens when you build a relationship, when you're solving their problem and you there's a level of trust that exists mm -hmm. between the brand and the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, relationship and value that goes beyond the functional and transactional benefits of your product or service, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. You know, these are not complex ideas, but they're they're profoundly important and and they really do make a difference. Well, let me ask you a question on that because you know when it comes to earning customers' trust, the, one of the best ways that you can learn to, to to build systems to get your customers to trust you is have a failure happen. Have a non-trust thing go through and have you to go, oh man, I gotta fix this. Right. I know. What are, what are some things in business you've learned over the years? Because I, I assume you're aged up a little bit like me. All right. That you've had some issues, that you've had some failures that you had to go, or some screw-ups. We got to go, okay, I got I to fix this. Right. And, you know, that's funny. I Back in the 90s when I was really digging into this and working with companies like British Airways First Class Cabin and Sprint Long Distance and, you know, big budgets, big brands, 
I developed the five relationship marketing principles. Mm. And the fifth relationship marketing principle is what you just said. The most crucial time is when the relationship is at risk. Mm -hmm. And having systems in place and having knowing how to handle that, knowing how to resolve that, that's a great time to turn that negative into a positive. Exactly. Because yeah. if you can turn it, if you address their concerns in a legitimate and honest way, you know, suddenly it's like, wow, these, these guys, they, they care about what I'm talking about. Because one of the other relationship marketing principles is good customers expect to be rewarded. Yeah. And note, I didn't say bribed. No, no. Rewarded. Rewarded. Yeah. Acknowledged. And yeah. that when the relationship's at risk is a great time to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're getting two out of one if you do it. If you do it well, if you've got a plan, if you think about it. Oh. Now, I had something with that, James, that um, got to be 2013 or 14 that, uh, you know, I'm a Harley guy. For years, I rode Harley Davidson's and that's that's all I had. I didn't have cars for a long time. And our one dealership here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I think my wife and I, between motorcycles, customization on our motorcycles and parts on our motorcycles and oil changes, I think in a matter of three years, we spent probably close to mm, a third of a million dollars at that dealership. Right. That's a lot of freaking money to spend at a dealership, right? Right. And I remember walking into the dealership one day and the dealership had just changed hands to a new company, but all the employees were still there. I walk in the door and every one of them, Tim, it's good to see you. I mean, everybody gets to come up, give me a hug, talk to me, yep. right? Yep. Until I go to check out. Now I've bought... Oh, you know, I mean, 300 and some thousand dollars worth of products and services. I was buying t-shirts to give away at my events. They used to give them to me free, but they were now made me buy them. Yeah. And for $45 worth of t-shirts, the lady goes, well, Tim, I need to see your ID. I'm like, you didn't you just meet me at the door? You know who I am, right? <laughs> I've spent hundreds of thousands. I knew to see my ID to know if it's my credit card, right? Yeah. And well, yeah, that's our new company policy. I'm like, I hate to say this, but like, you know, I'm trading in my $50,000 bike to buy another bike and spend another 30,000. I think I'm going to go up the street and see how the new Harley dealer is doing. Yeah. And literally they spent months after I left chasing me, asking me why I wouldn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Crucial moment, 45, over a $45 sale. Yeah. And that's, and that's, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And, and it, it, it is frightening, but not having uh, that, you know, understanding the importance of current customers and, yeah. and, 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 you know, and not every customer is a best customer. No, you know, there's and, some customers and, you let go on that. You let you buy. Or, or you just, I mean, in large part, the, the, you know, it's still a, commercial relationship it's not you and me out for a beer yeah right it's but the value exchange needs to be equal mm -hmm. and in very often most businesses 80 percent of revenue is being generated by 20 percent of customers mm -hmm. Numbers, specific numbers are probably going to be different, but I've done the analysis. I've seen it. 
it's consistent. The minority of customers generate the majority of revenue. Yeah. Those are the folks that typically have a higher and more complex need state as opposed to the regular customers. And a mistake I get, I see made frequently is businesses who are furiously trying to convince those middle of the bell curve customers that they should buy more, spending all this marketing money against that, they're not gonna buy more. Yeah. Because they don't need more. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, they're ignoring that 20% of customers who are generating 80% of their sales. The 20% customers are standing there with credit card in hand, ready to buy, and you're not selling them anything. Right. You should be just handing them the the t-shirts and saying, thank you very much, Tim. Have a great day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell your friends about us. Yeah. So. Right. So, and those are simple ideas, but it's so, they get, they're so easy to do, but they're missed so often. So, so, I mean, so James, I've done interesting things. I've been a speaker, right, over the past 10 years. So I go to speak at events and I try to always, as I'm speaking at an event or I have a vendor table at a marketing event, what can I do to stand out to make everybody understand that there's value in what I do? So I started giving away iPads. Right. I had a, I had a, I had a closet full of cheap iPads for the longest time. I just went to the Apple store and bought them in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> and I would give them away. But then they were like, well, you, well, you're giving away one here. All right. Then I was giving away at my events, my event. Like I'm hosting an event tomorrow. I'm not giving away one tomorrow. But if my event had a certain amount of number, I give an iPad away. And most people are like, well, I, I don't, that's expensive to give away. And I'm like, not really. I'll have 20 people stay there, do whatever I want to do that want them to do to try to earn that iPad. Right. And compete for it. Yep. Right. So often I see people who are who won't do things to engage their customers like that. Right. I do that to engage my customers because I make them all do live stream videos while they're at my mm-hmm. event. And how many times have people come up to you and said, hey, you're the iPad guy? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, you're the right. guy giving away the iPad. Yeah. Right. Those tactile objects. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing public speaking, pre-pandemic, when I was doing public speaking, one of the things that I talk about is the Oreo cookie strategy. Mm-hmm. And how to how to efficiently and effectively build a website, use the Oreo cookie strategy. And that's where you've got the discovery mm-hmm. phase on the outside, the wonderful, gooey, tasty design work that's in the middle. And then you've got those poor schleps that have to build it on the outside and have a plan for all three of those things. And I, I called it the Oreo cookie strategy. Cool. And I would literally go out into the audience and I would put an Oreo cookie on every seat in the, uh, in the, in the, in wherever I was speaking. And I can't tell you the number of times people have come up to me, the Oreo cookie guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's memorable. And it also gives them a visual mnemonic that they can connect what I'm saying with words yeah. Yeah. into something real. Mm-hmm. And and it it's a nice analogy because of the you know the no the, the planning and all that discovery crap that's all so dry and boring and you know oh somebody actually has to build this thing well that's kind of boring too but that tasty center that's what I want to spend my time on but if you don't do the outsides mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've got yourself a gooey sticky mess yeah yeah may taste great but it's still a gooey sticky, gooey, sticky mess. mess you're right so. <laughs> 
Right. So, I mean, and there was another way that I did it. All right. All right. And I would love to hear this on how I, I'm sure you guys do value the same way as I used to do speaking events when I had my long hair and I would go out to the event and I would keep, I'd be at the event the whole time. I'd be silent mm -hmm. until it was my turn to get on stage. Now I come to life and mm -hmm. I share with them all the information I'm going to share with them. I, I try to wow them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I give away at the end. I say, well, guys, if you want to keep in touch with me. Then I hit them with my wow. Yeah. And my wow at the end was, if you want to you want to find out more about me, my website at the time was not tompetty.com because I looked like Tom Petty. And I would, <laughs> pop, they were all like, whoa. I spoke in an event in my home city. This is the city I was born in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was the only person from out of state speaking that day at the event, right? Yep. Nobody was allowed to sell. Now I speak on stages and I'm allowed to sell at events. This one I was not allowed to. But I did my speech and I did that at the end. At the end of the day, I was there for an hour and a half after the event. My cousin had had dinner at home at her house I was supposed to go to waiting for me because yeah. I had a line of people who wanted to talk to me. Half the other speakers left. Right. Give them value, but then wow them at the end. Yeah. What are you guys doing on websites? Same thing. Well, we're wow them at the end. The number of times I've had people come to me and say, because we spend as much time worried about the front end, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what people see, we spend as much time almost worrying about the back end. Aha. Uh -huh. Because most of our customers spend most of their time in the back end. Mm-hmm. And making it easy to work with, to manage the content and manage that, you know, so that I don't have to be becoming a, a computer science engineer here to, to, you know, to change a paragraph of text mm -hmm. a, mm -hmm. as simple a concept as that is. I've seen it done both. I mean, it can be very, so we spend a lot of time on the back end and making sure the back end is easy to work with. Well, again, because they're your customers, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, I, I, you're trying to make it easy for your customer. Now right. they're by you making it easy for them. Now they can make it easy for their customer by making the website front end work. Right. Correct. That's right. And, yeah. and that's, that's why we've been working with the same handful of design agencies for six, seven, eight years now. Wow. Yeah. You know, and cause they, we, first of all, we know what the hell we're doing. Mm -hmm. We know how to say no. We know how to push back and go, my God, I'd love to take your money, but that's a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we do that often. And I'll tell you, that's one of the most powerful words in marketing is saying no to a customer if it's if it's done for the right reasons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, and so people just keep coming back over and over again because they, they're getting value that solves their problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, their problem is if it's a design agency that's working with us, their problem is happy clients. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as subtle a thing as this is, we, we maintain a distinction. We have customers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Our customers have clients. Yeah. Because their relationship with their client is long-term. I treat every job that we do for one of our design agency customers as Every job could be our last job. Mm -hmm. Wow, I like that theory. You know. Yeah. Yep. Well, so well that, let me ask you this. Uh, you know what I mean? In in this, 
this in this world now where we're like Instagram and Snapchat and instant, I got to have an instant. How many times have your clients in the couple of years that you've had this agency come back to you and go, hey, man, I need to do a redesign on the website. How often do they do that? How long do they let their sites go nowadays? Generally speaking, they let them go too long. Mm. Um, but sometimes I get into the opposite conversation. I had this conversation with a, uh, a business consultant in New York mm -hmm. who is a customer of ours. Uh, he works in government consulting. He was a former New York state congressman. And um, he came to me. I said, James, I think I need to refresh my website. I'm like, Craig, it's been two years. Now I got you. Why? It's, it, this is what I call boardroom boredom. Yeah. You're there all the time, so you're bored with it, but your customers are not there all the time. They're not bored with it. I mean, I'd love to take your money, but that's just not a good idea right now. Yeah, yeah. Put your energies, put your budget into improving some of your other digital marketing activity. Make the website work harder for you. Don't spend more money on it right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it depends. Most, it depends how your business is. It depends your customers. It depends on a lot mm -hmm. of things. Four to five years is a pretty good time frame to be thinking about it. Um, the you'd want to be careful about new shiny thing syndrome. Yeah, you know I've it, seen that kill more businesses than you want to know. Oh my god! And because everybody is all freaked out about this is and that's and oh my god I've got to do this etc cetera, etc cetera. and I'm like okay, but you do know that social media is still only about fifteen percent of total advertising spend, right? Really? And this is all of social media combined. <laughs> wow. So it's, you know, the the myth that TV advertising is dead is is just not correct. Um, hey. And I do hey. websites. So I mean, I you'd think I would be all about that. But no, I, I'm all about finding the right solution for the for the problem at hand. Well, I mean, I, you know, I've got I'm connected to a lot of, of coaches and stuff who are using the Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mechanism right now. And I'm going to tell you, every time I turn around, I meet somebody new who's helping an agency, helping you with doing Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, it, 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 it's, uh, you know, I grew up in the Poconos of Pennsylvania and up there we had a thing about all the construction workers had this file cabinet of magnetic signs to go on their vehicle. Oh right. yeah. You need a roofer. Hold on a minute. Yep. Uh, put that on. I'm a roofer today, you know, and yep. that's what the, these Facebook Ad people are. Yeah. Yep, let me pull a magnetic sign out and put that on the truck. Yep. I'm yep. a Facebook ads guy today. Yeah. Sadly, there are a lot of snake oil salesmen running around because it has a low cost of entry. I mean, that's that's one of my business challenges mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is we've, we've created this product for, uh, you know, businesses that are at six figures trying to get to seven figures. Yeah. You, you go into a Facebook group and some poor innocent puts up a post about, I think I might want to redo my website. And within 10 minutes, 200 people have posted comments on it saying, I can do it for you for $500. Yes. So much noise. Yeah. <coughs> well, that's, that's usually a test on how I run things. Like I go into these groups now, James, and I'll put down like, I, I did it one week, a couple, couple weeks ago. And this may have been where you found me. I don't know. Where I'll put it into these things going, well, hey, I'm looking for podcast guests. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, I'm looking for speakers because we host a virtual event on online marketing every month and mm -hmm. we need five speakers every month. So I did this thing one time where I, I put this whole thing up on there. Like, you know, uh, I'm looking for speakers for my virtual event. If you teach online marketing, you have a website and you, you are doing what you teach, not 
You right. do it for your clients. You're doing what you teach. And literally, I can put that up there. And it's like this golden thing that speakers see. They go, oh, me, 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 me. I, 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 I. And I'm like, dude, tell me a little bit about your customers. And yeah. they couldn't. They're just talking about them as a speaker. Right. Yeah, yeah it's it, creating that value proposition is is super important. And having the credibility to be able to pass it up. I mean, one of the things that, you know, people tell me is when I explain digital marketing to them, I explain the, to it in simple common sense language. Mm-hmm. I, I don't lose, use a lot of jargon, et cetera, but I have the track record. Yeah. yeah. I've been there, done that. I've managed seven figure budgets. I've done major, my, my last digital agency assignment was managing the, a seven figure budget for Toyota. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I've, I worked with the team at Apple to launch the original iPod. Wow. You know, I've, I worked with the team at Wells Fargo to launch the original online bank. Wow. You know, I, I you got a little bit of history. I've got the scars. Yeah. I've got the stories to go with them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but this is why I, I can, I, this is why I can say no with such confidence yeah. when I'm yeah. working with folks is that no, I, I made that mistake. I don't want you to make it too. Yeah. Now I have a guy that I work with. As a matter of fact, his his weekly call was earlier today that I do with this is guy John Limbacher out of California, who has Internet Dominators, and John's been working traffic to your website for years. Before they mm-hmm. called it SEO, he was helping people do it, and he mm-hmm. still refuses to call it SEO. He says he's a traffic guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he says all the time. Nothing can be done in the online world that isn't a proven concept in the offline world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That just rings with me because everybody's like, well, no, we can do this because it's online. And John goes, if it don't work offline, it won't work. It won't online. work online. I agree completely. I re- remember being in a conference room at the Toyota headquarters with mm-hmm. the chief marketing officer because the lawyers at Toyota were telling us that we needed to put terms and conditions into a banner ad. Mm-hmm. And I was saying no. And they were like, people don't say no to us. We're the lawyers. Yeah. Well, I am. Yeah. Yeah. And this this got all the way up to we were having this meeting. There was me and the CMO sitting there and, and the lawyers across the way in, in suits that looked like about a they were worth a month of my salary. Mm-hmm. And and they went on and on and on about why I had to do this thing. And I just kept saying no. And they said, Well, what's your how can you support that position? And I reached out, I pulled up my briefcase and I opened it up and I dumped out of my briefcase, a whole briefcase full of direct mail packages from all of the major automotive dealers, including mm-hmm. Toyota. Yeah. And I said, I, you see if you can find terms and conditions on any of those outer envelopes. I said, that's what a banner ad is. Yeah. It's yeah. an outer envelope. It has like outer envelope has one job to be opened. Yeah. Banner ad has one job to be clicked. Yep. Yep. I'm exactly. Happy to put the terms and conditions on the landing page. No problem. Not putting them in the, not banner, the banner ad. ad. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, banner ads there to get you to click onto it. Exactly. So every, uh, and all this stuff that, that for those of us who started out back in the days before there was email and computers, that's another story. Um, all this stuff that works today online has its heritage in traditional marketing. Yeah, yeah. Just people have called it different things, but it's 
if it's not, if it doesn't come from there, it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, I use the trickery around the name branding a lot, yep. right? And I tell people branding, well, you know, well, brand oh, my logo and stuff. I'm like, no, I want you to think about a brand. All right. It's something can become a brand because it's repeated so many times it's ingrained in your head. And they're like, okay. I said, so why don't you do run Facebook lives? And this is a weird thing. Run Facebook lives and come up with a simple, easy website to say, like mm -hmm. for me, I'm teaching branding. So I bought simpleeasybranding.com. So I repeat that website like seven to 10 times mm -hmm. to where I say, oh, by the way, will somebody put that in the comments for me? And the traffic that goes to simple, easy branding at the right. time, 55% of it was typed in. Yep. They weren't somebody who clicked an ad. They typed it in because I branded it in their head. Anyway. Right. And that's that's an old fashioned branding. All right? right. When you take what old fashioned branding came from. Most well, you also did something it. else, though. Yeah. You also created a value halo around that. Yeah. Because there are an awful lot of brands that are actually just products with names. Yeah. You know, because the, there's no value halo. There's no, you know, additional value associated with that, whatever that is. Yeah. And you, by virtue of the, the context that you are creating and communicating, the name of the website, it's that context was equally important to the simplicity of the name. Yeah, yeah. Because you were giving value and then the value gets associated with that nomaker and, and it's it works. Yeah. And 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 and, and it all comes back to, I mean, we thought we've said said this many times so the interview today is the word value. Mm -hmm. All right. If if you're not given value, you're not going to be in business long. I don't care if you're selling candy at the local grocery store. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, well, uh, James, it's been, it's been really fun getting to know you here today, but uh, I want to make sure people can get a hold of you guys and, and find out more about what your agency does and who you're helping up there. Uh, what's the best website that they can reach you at? Well, the product that we have is innately and the website is I N N number eight L Y.com. And it's got a nice little pun in there, like the in, because yeah. we take care of you. Uh, yeah. our, our differentiator, honestly, is not the technology. Our technology is good. It's we answer the phone. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a complete support infrastructure that's there because business owners, you know, they don't want to be webmasters. Mm. So if you need a professionally designed, built, managed, hosted, secured website, then innately is a good thing. We have another little pun going on because our tagline is websites without worry. Yeah which of wow. course is dub, dub, dub. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, well, before I go, I got to, I, I got to play a game with you, but before that I, I've added a new question that I've, I started asking people uh, because a couple of weeks ago I had a, a very close friend of mine on the broadcast and, uh, and unfortunately we lost him to, to COVID shortly after. I'm going to ask this question, James. And I want to know is if someone's seeing this, who's known you for years and they see this interview years from now, because we know you and I are going to be here for another 20 years. Years from now, they see this interview and you've passed and I've passed. What wisdom would you give them? Learn how to listen. And if you're talking, you aren't listening. You know, wow. the power of the pause. I practiced it all through my career with my clients. 
I taught it to the folks that work for me. Mm-hmm. I, it's the underpinning, one of the underpinning principles in how I think about marketing, mm-hmm. which is about listening to the customer, understanding their problem, understanding their journey. This is all aspects of listening. Cool. So cool. I think the most important thing you can do as a person mm-hmm. and as a business person and as a marketer is to learn how to listen. Good advice. Really good advice. Well, well, to end this on a high note now, a fun note, shall we yeah, say? I've got a little game I want to play with you, James. Yeah. I've got seven <laughs> envelopes here with questions in it. You get to pick three of them, and we're going to ask you the questions inside the envelope. Pick number three numbers, one through seven. Uh, two, five, and seven. These ones go down there so we don't confuse them. Number two, question number one. I love this. Envelope, please. This one here, all right. I don't know if you're a Matrix fan. Are you a Matrix fan? Matrix? I'm familiar with it, yeah. Okay. So this first question is red pill or blue pill? Red pill or blue. I'm not that much of a Matrix fan. Okay, so... so I think it's the red pill that is the, uh, the, the like, I want to know the truth. And the blue pill is just leave me in like cognitive, uh, you know, I don't want to. Oh, no, no, get... red pill, red yeah, pill. Yeah, I red pill. So. Yeah, I want to know the truth. It's just me hit too. me hard with it. Don't yeah, keep me I, I can, no puppies are going to die, but yeah. I'll, I want to know what's going on. Exactly. Uh, number two question is fast food choices. Which one's better for you, McDonald's or Taco Bell? Probably Taco Bell, but I can't honestly say that I would. I'm a big fan of either. I, I'm a little bit of a foodie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I spent two and a half years being homeless. I love McDonald's food because it was so cheap for me during yeah. that homeless period. And I still, I mean, as a kid, I love McDonald's food. So it's just yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but question number three in here. All right, and I don't know even know if you're an NFL fan or not, but. Which is the better team, the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, you're in Dallas, so I pretty much have to say the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> I was I'm originally a, from Pennsylvania, so Yeah, well, I was always a New York Giants fan growing up. Oh, I'm an Eagles fan. That's the other team we hate. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, aren't we off to a good start? <laughs> oh, man. Boy, this game's getting really good now. Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm more number of a basketball five. fan than, than, than football, I'm afraid. Yeah, I just I was not into football as much. But, you know, I, I, as a as a Eagles fan who lives in Dallas, I love saying the joke. Well, I'm an Eagles fan, and we have two favorite teams. Number one, the Eagles. Number two, whoever's playing Dallas. <laughs> Ah, it's interesting because we kind of got the same combination in question or envelope number five. Number one question, this is kind of new, uh, watching movies nowadays, because we've got, you know, the pandemic has made it different. Would you rather watch them in the theater or at home in your own home? I think it kind of depends on the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the the bigger, I'm a bit of a science fiction fan. I still read science fiction novels and, Mm Um, some of the, those big science fiction shows are just so special in a big theater. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but others, I would rather be at home, curled yeah. up on the couch with my wife, and and you know, modern technology has allowed us to have that the luxury of being able to pick. Yeah, I, you know, I I want the what my wife wants to watch those chick flicks. I'll watch them at home. Yeah, I want to see the new Top Gun in the theater. Right. <laughs> if yeah. if it ever comes out, because right. I'm doubting it at this point. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question number two: Which do you, would you rather have, a hamburger or a taco? Uh, I would rather have a hamburger. Yeah, I'm a uh, hamburger uh, guy myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, which should I should have? That's a different <laughs> question. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause like growing up, I was always like, you know, I live in the South and tacos are really, I mean, there's some good tacos down yeah. here. Right. Yeah. But growing up, I was a hamburger guy. And I remember, and like uh, when I was 12 years old, I was in the hospital with pneumonia and every day I chose for my dinner, hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. The one day my mom said, Tim, you got to choose something else other than a hamburger tonight. So I did. I took the other option. We ended up throwing it in the trash and my mom went to the cafeteria to get me a hamburger. <laughs> always been a hamburger fan what can i say yeah. so you weren't an nfl fan let's see if you are an nba fan all, all right. right and who say who's the better basketball player michael jordan or lebron james um i'm gonna go with michael jordan yeah me and too I'll, I'll tell you why and i've had the good fortune of seeing them both play live Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I was in Chicago, the company had courtside seats for the Bulls. Mm -hmm. So we used to sit right down by the basket and watch all of the underbasket with Rodman and, and Jordan and Steve Kerr and Luke Longley. And I the mean, winning, was, the, 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 the last, to me, it was the last big super team, if you ask me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were just, uh, Rodman was amazing and it was all mm -hmm. phenomenal. But I think the main reason I would pick is that Michael Jordan was an on-court general like nobody I've ever seen in any sport anywhere. Yeah, yeah, he was. He he, he could move the everybody on the court with a glance. Yeah, and I've just never seen that. I've just never seen anything like that before or since. Yeah. Well, he still he's he still he still was a captivating player, and to me, LeBron James is just not. Uh, he, LeBron James is a great player. He's just not as a captivating person as Michael Jordan was. Yeah, as as a player, I think uh, as a human being, yeah, I would go with LeBron James. Yeah. Well, I've seen a lot. LeBron James does an awful lot of good things too. So, he yeah. does an awful lot of good things, and when you consider his background and the fact that he was thrown into that environment as a teenager, and you know all of the pressures and th all of the ways he could have gone wrong, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all of the things he's accomplished, and and the charitable work that he's done, and his his longevity and his commitment to the game and his commitment to the team. I mean, as a human being, I think I would probably go with LeBron James because cool. I've I've met Michael Jordan. He's not the nicest person you're going to run across. No, some of those older stars have not learned. You know, before social media, they could get away with being jerks outside of public appearances. Yeah. <laughs> now they can't. So no. Envelope number seven. Question number one is, <laughs> and we are back at more uh, NFL are more greats. Who was the greater NFL quarterback, Joe Montana or Tom Brady? I think Joe Montana. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I see. I, I like that. That you know, this is the thing with both Jordan and uh, you know what I mean, Jordan James and Montana Brady. Joe Montana never lost a Super Bowl. Right. Michael Jordan never lost an NBA championship. Right. And Joe Montana didn't have Tom Brady's athletic gifts. Yeah. He didn't. Joe Montana is, was a skinny guy. He was a he was not a big human. He he was he was a phenomenal athlete, but he just, he will. I think what is he five eleven or six feet tall or something? Almost and, six feet tall, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, but he just didn't he didn't have the same athletic gifts. Yeah. But he, he was didn't. so smart. No. And he was also again, football is a team sport. And those leadership skills are really important. See, this is one of the things with the leadership skills with uh, with uh, Tom Brady that I'm learning is Tom Brady has taken a reduced salary. So they had the money there to build the team around him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I like that. But Joe Montana always talked about being a team like everything he did was team. Right. Yep. But like the way they 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 exercise it and and team, uh, you know, it's just. You know, I mean, it's not a right or a wrong. They both just went about it different ways in building their yep. team. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. Um, question number two in this envelope is, which scares you more, snakes or spiders? I'm uh, not particularly scared by either one of them, but I grew I up in the co- I grew up in the country, man. I was yeah. like. It was part, I mean, we had just a complete menagerie going on in our house all the time, you know, garter snakes that we'd find. And, and we found some abandoned raccoon, uh, uh, babies at one, I don't know what the official term for them is, but, and that we raised up. And I mean, I had a, uh, a 30 pound snapping turtle that I'd captured tethered to a apple tree in the backyard. It was like, I grew up on an Island in a river. It's, it's wow. all n- natural stuff. Yeah. Wow. So, well, my last question is, um, what do you use to put your papers together? Staples or paper clips? Um, depends on the quant- what I, I paper clips probably more often than staples. Um, I had a creative director once at an advertising agency was interviewing me for a position. It wasn't in his department, but um and he said what what are you what kind of a writing input instrument do you have in your pocket and i pulled out a pencil and most people in my role would have pulled out a pen yeah and he said that's unusual why do you have a pencil and we got into a 15 minute philosophical discussion about a pencil versus a pen and why it, it, pencil worked better for me and um it, paper clips are just a little less permanent than staples mm. and okay. i think it's it's you have to be flexible you have to be willing to adjust things exactly so well anyway i want you to repeat your website james one more time so people can actually come out and find you and connect with you uh, innately.com that's i n n number 8 l y.com um love it if you came by you can contact me through the contact page on innately um 
Alternatively, if you're interested in knowing more about the hub and spoke strategy and how I think about digital marketing, you can go to hubandspoke.marketing. Okay, cool. That's hubandspoke.marketing. And you have the opportunity there to download the ebook that I wrote about John and his journey of discovery. Cool. I love it. So, well, uh, you know, James, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today. Come on and share with my audience. Uh, it's some great wisdom, some great stories, and uh, it's, it's been a joy getting to know you today. Ah, it's been my pleasure. It's cool. been my pleasure, Tim. I, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I love your game at the end. That's so much fun. <laughs> cool, cool. So uh, to you guys, listeners, I got to say thanks to you for listening in today. All right. And if you haven't already, go over to innately.com. Check out James as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel and is go ahead and subscribe where you get your podcast. I'm Tim Gillette, and we'll be back next week with another great guest. Have a great day, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.